with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten persons with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance from him and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, Show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing that he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he, and he fell at the feet of Jesus, and he thanked him. That one was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where then are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. Brother, Son, Sister, Moon is a movie that is not aged very well. It was from 1972, and it's a life of St. Francis of Assisi, a kind of pastel life of St. Francis of Assisi. It's pretty trippy to watch nowadays, but there's one scene in the middle that I like very much. In it, Francis has sent the brothers out to beg. The brothers could only get their daily food from begging, and they weren't allowed to bring home money. There's a story about what happened when a brother came to bring home money, but we'll save that for St. Francis Day. Anyway, they're begging door to door, trying to get food, and, uh, and as they go, the brother who's kind of in charge of the group is leading this little call and response. So he, he'll, he'll sing out uh, an invocation. He'll go, for sister poverty. And then the other brothers join in and they say, we give thanks for brother want. We give thanks. We give thanks. And you hear this going as they go door to door and beg. Well, the people are responding in various ways to the brothers as they beg door to door. Some are giving them food or drink. Others are yelling at them, calling them bums. Somebody throws a bunch of cabbage at them. And then one of the brothers kind of comes around a corner, and he's, he's at the side of the baker's house. You can tell it's the baker's house. It's big, uh, you know, bags of flour. And the baker's wife is inside, and she's kneading bread mm, very vigorously. Vigorously enough that the top of her blouse opens, and brother's caught, right? And he's just transfixed at this undulation. And then brother gets caught because the one in charge comes around the corner and sees him. The brother in charge handles this exactly the way you're supposed to. He says, oh, brother, don't worry about this. Everybody has a lapse. Let's go to the church and pray. And, and the brother who's been caught starts bawling. He's, oh, I can't do this. Celibacy is so hard. All I want is a wife and children, blah, 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 blah. And then St. Francis pops on the scene. And 
Francis talks to the brother, and the guy tells him about his struggles with chastity, and he says, well, this, you know, this, you don't have to be married to be part of the Franciscan family, and they use this as the sort of origin of the secular Franciscans, the, the Third Order Franciscans. Okay. So why the weird churchy trivia today? Well, because when they're done talking, the brothers start on their way again begging, and the first invocation, because of what's just happened, is for Sister Chastity. <laughs> now notice the three things I sang specifically for poverty, for want, for chastity. Those are not things we usually give thanks for. And in fact, they're not, in some ways, things all by themselves. They're identified by their lack. Poverty is the absence of wealth. Want is the absence of stuff. Chastity is the absence and presence of a whole bunch of things, right? But, but it's, it's in recognizing the beauty in what's less. Small, Francis would tell us, not just Schumacher, is beautiful. Now, I raise that today because in just a few hours, most of us are going to be seated around tables with our family and friends. We may even do the sort of quintessentially TV style, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And, and benignly, we'll all say things like our family and our friends and the food at this table and, and granny who died last year. And it's all fine. And you should be thankful for those things. But do you dare today to be thankful for what you lack? Are you brave enough to be grateful for the absences in your life as well as the presences? Are you able to see in the things that maybe by choice you would have, but as a matter of fact you don't, and see even that as gift? I raise that for all kinds of reasons, probably because I'm doing some of the same stuff myself, right? But, but because I'm able to do this, I'm going to point out an example. This was totally unplanned and unscripted, but thank you, sisters, for showing up. So we have two young religious women here whose families are, of course, delighted at the gift that God has given them in a vocation in the family, but who have also experienced a very real lack. This doesn't look like we imagined. It doesn't make things bad. It just makes them different. But to try and blow past the lack or fail to acknowledge the absence, that would be a great mistake. It's the reason when you were lying on the floor a few weeks ago, we prayed for your parents and not just you. There's a reason when a man is ordained, the same thing, a celibate man is ordained, the same thing happens. The, the last of the petitions isn't for the guy who's about to be a priest, it's for his parents and the gift they have offered to the church. None of us does anything all on our own. That's why we don't eat Thanksgiving dinner by ourselves, at least most of us. Right? We don't succeed alone and we don't fail alone. That's also what's happening with this poor leper here. Right, so the leper, I, I didn't dwell on this because we had the reading just a couple weeks ago, but, and I presume whoever was here said something brilliant. But, but, 
but the problem with the lepers, right, with a leper, is that um, he's with this group because he can't go anywhere else. But the reason he comes back to Jesus isn't because he's especially insightful. This isn't the story of the virtuous leper. (laughs) It's because he can't get into the temple even if he wants to. He's forbidden to enter the temple. The only place he can go to give God thanks is to Jesus. And listen to the Lord's words here, because I think we're tempted to tie the cleansing too closely with the saving. Go, your faith has saved you. Not your faith has cured you. Not your faith has made you clean. He could have been saved even as a leper. St. Damien was. Mother Marianne was. St. Simon the leper was. We've got all kinds of lepers that were saved. But he, he was cleansed kind of accidentally. It was his faith that saved him because it put him in relationship with Jesus. And gang, this is the reason... This is the reason we should thank God for every lack in our life. It's the reason some of us more discreetly and intentionally, whether by profession or just by action, try and live with less. When you take everything else away, all you've got is Jesus. When you take everything else away, all you've got is Jesus. Most people I'm with who die don't die at home. They die in the hospital or hospice or a nursing home. They die in a borrowed paper gown that's going to be incinerated as soon as we wheel them out. They die naked. They may not die alone. If they're fortunate, they die with family and friends about them. But everything they've accumulated, everything they've done their whole life long is gone. There is nothing. And if they have anything at the end, it is the Lord Jesus alone. That's why I want you to give thanks for what you don't have today as much as for what you do. This isn't a, like some kind of twisted optimism or just becoming comfortable with like the stuff you know you're never going to get. It's in recognizing that the stuff, most of the stuff that you want really isn't very good for you. Most of the things you would labor to have, they're never going to make you happy. They, they might delight you for a moment or two, and then they'll pass like everything else. But the one thing necessary, the only thing that matters, the only thing in the end ever worth really giving thanks for is Him. And when you strip everything else away, the great thanksgiving that we make for the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus is Eucharist. It's the Holy Mass. What we do at our homes later today is important. I know, I got up at five to start cooking like the moms did. I, I get it. I have a family too, right? But, but it's not nearly as important as what happens here. You know, when you're a kid... You think what you have is normal, right? So you don't know what's not normal until you're in normal, I suppose. Um, and 
and just over the course of the last few weeks, for whatever reason, I was reminded of something that I, I'm certain I've never said from here before because I'd forgotten it uh, or didn't realize it. So at our house growing up, we had a rule. Nobody eats alone. And I don't know that I was ever told it. Like, I don't, I don't have in my ear my mom or my dad's voice ever saying that. But we've kind of adopted it in the rectory. Like, if one of the other of us comes home late and you can hear him poking around in the kitchen, the other guy comes down and sits with him while he eats dinner. And Father Nick said to me the other day, why do you do that? And it was like it triggered this cascade of memory. When I was a kid, my dad would often get home late, 9, 9.30 at night, and so long as we weren't actually in bed, everybody in the house would leave what they were doing, homework, whatever, and come back out to the kitchen and have a cup of tea and maybe a cookie or something while dad ate dinner. That was really important. And the kind of thing that we do around the Thanksgiving table today presumes the centrality of the table in the life of our families, right? Our dining room or kitchen table, wherever we eat most often, it is a kind of an altar. And whether we realize it or not, the, the food that, we're, that we cook these days are a kind of a sacrifice, which is why this meal costs so much more than the one did on Tuesday. It's probably not an accident that Thanksgiving was created by Protestants that had forgotten about the Eucharist. But that doesn't mean that we who have the Eucharist can't come to understand it better in light of the experience we have at home. Now, I'm keenly aware you got two homilies today, but I couldn't, I couldn't resist that last bit because if you take nothing else away from today, I want it to be this. First, at Thanksgiving and here, thank God for what you lack. And then after today, if that table doesn't have pride of place, center of the house in your home, fix it. Don't let anyone eat alone.